Welcome to New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit newhoperock.org. That's newhoperock.org. so honored to be with you today. Um, this is, it's just been an insane last few months, and uh, it so happened to be that our last Sunday at the Vegas Church, before we appointed new senior leaders there, um, that uh, it was when this quarantine thing started, and then now it's when it's just ending. So uh, uh, it's just been a little crazy, and we're so thankful to the Lord uh, for just you know, uh, calling us here. We are so honored and, and we're thankful for your leaders that have just prepared uh, this this house for just what God has and, and what you guys have done. I want to honor Stephen Joy and all of your leaders right now. Can we just thank God for leadership? Come on. Leaders are gifts from heaven. They are gifts from Jesus to the church. And so sometimes it's the hardest ones to receive because they're wrapped in flesh. Come on, somebody. But I just want to make an announcement. I am God's gift to you. So receive me. <laughs> and I feel like you have so well. I'm going to move this over just a tad. Um, I feel like you have received me. Sarah, you know, we need to talk about this. This is your first Sunday. Um, this stuff's in my way. So I need a little more room preaching. I probably shouldn't have done that rebuke publicly, but uh, take notes. We'll talk about it on Monday morning at 10 o'clock in my office. Okay. I'm kidding with you. Um, sort of. <laughs> I, I'm excited to share a word with you, um, and uh, I, I do have about 30 minutes. We're going to try to dismiss you early enough to where, and we have an amazing team, and just uh, Jenna and Steve has put together an amazing team, all of you, to make this happen uh, to where the service is going to be cleaned. And I mean, I, I'm just thankful to see this level of excellence. I think that this church is going to model what it's going to look like for other churches to open up in the future. So thanks to God, you are pioneering something. Amen. Give yourself a round of applause and a pat on the back. So some of you are tired of clapping, I can tell. <laughs> like, if he says clap one more time, I'm leaving the church. Okay, I'm going to leave the church if we clap one more time. Uh, I had this word in my heart actually months ago, and, and I, uh, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to preach it the times that we've had um, to do online stuff. So we've had the privilege of being able to uh, minister and teach and preach to you on virtually, right? How many are just done with virtual church? Come on, somebody. Now, we do have quite a few online viewers right now, so we want to welcome all the online viewers. We love you. We're not saying that you're weird, but we just, we love the, we love connection. And, uh, and so I had the, the honor to minister. We had the honor, honor, my wife and I, and to minister to you. And I, I felt like the Lord gave me this word months ago, but I didn't feel released to preach it until today. So this is a face-to-face -face word, and so I'm excited to be sharing with you one of my favorite psalms. And so if you have a, a real physical Bible, would you hold it up uh, real quick? Look around the room. Those are the real Christians. Come on, somebody. Um, if you have an iPad or an iPhone, uh, like myself, I guess I'm not a real Christian. I'm up here preaching. Um, just uh, turn to Psalm 73. 
Psalm 73. Now, I'm going to be reading in the Passion, uh, but I would encourage you to read it later. And we're going to talk about this beautiful psalm written by Asaph, who was a chief musician. Uh, honey, can I get some water, please? That would be wonderful. Thank you. Uh, thanks, baby. You're amazing. Psalm 73 is such a wonderful, refreshing psalm, so I'll drink to that. The psalm is about the heart of the psalmist and his journey with reorienting his heart in the right direction. And today I want to talk to you about a psalm that always gets me. Um, for some reason, it just grips my heart, and I'm so honored to be sharing it with you today. I'm going to start by reading verse 1. And then we're going to go through the psalm. Are you all ready? Yes. Psalm 73, verse 1 in the Passion Translation. No one can deny it. God is really good to Israel and to all those with pure hearts. But check this out. This is powerful. But I nearly missed seeing it for myself. Amen. All right, we're going to dismiss now. Just one verse. No. Pray with me real quick. Father, thank you for your amazing people that I'm just barely getting to know, but I just see them as so significant and precious, Lord. This entire community, every heart, every life, every young person in this room, and I pray, Lord, that, that during this message you would do something deep within all of our hearts. You would brand us with something real and holy we don't want to just read something or hear a sermon or sing a song. We want to encounter you. And we thank you for truth that frees and transforms. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, yeah. amen. You know, it's interesting. There's a lot of things going on in the world today. I, I think it would be, uh, you know, it would be appropriate, if I could say that, that there's a lot of things going on. If we look around, it's kind of hard in some ways, to see the goodness of God, if we were honest, right? We're not supposed to lie in church, but, you know, like, I look around, and, uh, and the world is kind of in chaos right now. And this psalmist is saying, God is good to Israel. Now, how many know he's writing under an old covenant, a different covenant? Now, how many know we have even a greater revelation of his heart and his goodness through the finished work of Jesus and through his very incarnation, like God has made himself evident to us all, the self-revelation of God in the person of Jesus. Colossians 1.15, that he is the image of the invisible God. Uh, Hebrews 1.3, when, when we look at Jesus, we see who God is. Can you say amen? amen? And so now we are now gazing at the beauty of his goodness. But the psalmist is saying, God is good. But I nearly missed it. And then he, be, he begins to go on what I like to call a holy rant. Have you ever ranted before? Who likes to rant on Facebook? I'm friends with some of y'all, so I know. No, I, I like the honesty of the psalm, though, because sometimes we don't realize there are layers of things going on inside of us. 
and we wonder why we're not breaking through or we wonder why we're not walking in peace or joy or just something doesn't seem right, we're not satisfied, it's because we're not prioritizing or we're not settling the things in our hearts that need to be settled or maybe unsettling the things in our hearts that need to be unsettled. And it takes a while, you know, like I, I've learned that, uh, you know, th- this, this psalm is a journey. Every time I read it, it, it just, it hits me again. And, and I love the honesty of the psalm. And I found that there's a difference, and, and I want to talk to you about this just for a minute, and then I'm going to talk about point number one. I have three points uh, and a poem. Come on, somebody. No, I don't have a poem. I don't have a poem. That's old school, right? Three points and a poem. Uh, I want to talk to you about God's relationship with you. I, you know, there's something that happens that I think that we get stuck in this thing where it's like, well, I just got to work on my relationship with God. You know, we say things like that, which I think we mean well. But do you know that even when our relationship with God doesn't seem healthy or right, maybe our heart is turned away. Maybe we're not seeing his goodness or even experiencing his goodness. How many know that God's relationship with us is perfect? And I want to talk to you about repentance. And I want to talk to you about, because, you know, a lot of us understand the grace message. We know that because of what he's done, now we've been brought into communion with him and union with him. But that doesn't mean that our hearts can't turn away from his plans and purposes and his goodness to us. How many know that we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 1.3, but it doesn't mean we're going to experience that blessing. We can confess it till we're blue in the face, but if our heart is not postured at heaven, we're not going to experience that blessing. Come on, somebody. You're going to notice I say, come on, somebody, a lot. I'm going to say it over and over, so if you get sick of it, I'm sorry now, but come on, somebody. We have to understand that the orientation of our heart will determine what we experience in life. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of times we don't realize it, but our heart begins to orient in the wrong direction inadvertently. And and then all of a sudden, we feel like, what is going on? It feels like things are just coming apart and falling apart. And God, where are you right now? I mean, have you ever had one of those honest prayers? Or, you, you know, you might even insert H-E double hockey sticks in there, you know. What the is going on? Honest prayers. Hell's in the Bible, okay? Don't judge me. I'm just quoting the Bible. Hell is in the Bible. If you read the King James. Who still reads the King James? You will get delivered someday. Amen. No, I'm kidding. I'm just... Have you ever had an honest prayer, though, where you're just rawly honest with God? Don't underestimate the breakthrough that will happen when you are rawly honest with God. The Psalms help us through the valleys, through the mountaintops, through the rough times, through the good times, the bad times, and everything in between where we realize that it's important that we're honest with ourselves and with God. And this is what this Psalm's all about. He, now he begins to rant. And, and what I've learned is that there are things that are settled inside of us and there are things that are unsettled. Uh, there are things even that cause some people to feel burdened and oppressed, or if I could say it this way, depressed. Now, sometimes there's biological things that cause depression. I understand that. But there are sometimes there are things that we 
prioritized wrongly within our being, within our heart, and that's why we're depressed, because we're depressing, pushing down the things that shouldn't be pushed down, and there's a reprioritization that takes place. Say this with me. Say reprioritize. That's point number one. Reprioritize. So here's what he says in the Passion, verse 2. Here's my story. I narrowly missed losing it all. I was stumbling over what I saw with the wicked. For when I saw the boasters with such wealth and prosperity, I became jealous over their smug security, indulging in whatever they wanted, going wherever they wanted, doing whatever they wanted, and with no care in the world, no pain, no problems. They seem to have it made. That's my rant voice. I just have to say it like that. They lived as though life would never end. Now, he's ranting about how he got distracted from doing what was important, loving what was important, with envying the prosperity of the wicked. There's so many different applications. We might get distracted at loving our spouse with workaholicism. Just made that word up, but we might get distracted in life We might even get distracted. Let me throw this one at you. Well, I have to pray and read my Bible. And we neglect spending time with our children or doing what's important. And we try to fill it up with even things that we know are spiritual. But we're actually missing out on what God wants us to prioritize in our life. Come on, somebody. He goes on. He rants. I don't understand this. Have you ever said that? Look at the world. How can people can go to Walmart but can't go to church? Am I the only one that said that? Of course I'm kidding, but sort of. But he's, he's saying, why are the wicked prospering? I'm doing what I know to do to the best of my ability, and things just aren't working out for me. And here's the journey of the psalmist going through and reprioritizing and reorienting. And he goes on. He says, cruelty and violence is a part of their lifestyle. Verse 7, pampered and pompous, vice oozes from their souls. They overflow with vanity. They're such snobs looking down their noses. They even scoff at God. They're nothing but bullies threatening God's people. Loud mouths with no fear, pretending to know it all. Windbags full of hot air, impressing only themselves. Now, this is a psalm. So this is actually a song. Can you imagine seeing that? Windbags full of hot air, impressing only themselves. That's that's dumb. I don't know why I threw that in there. but Yet the people keep coming back to listen to more of their nonsense. And he goes on. Verse 11. They tell their cohorts, God will never know. See, he has no clue of what we're doing. These are the wicked ones I'm talking about. They never have to lift a finger. Living a life of ease while their riches multiply. Now this verse in verse 13 is profound. This is the reprioritization of the psalmist. Have I been foolish to play by the rules and keep my life pure? I love it. In the New King James, I believe it says, have I cleansed my heart in vain? He was perplexed. He was vexed. He was like, what is going on? And then he realized that his heart was oriented in the wrong direction. He goes on, he says, here I am suffering under your discipline day after day. I feel like I'm being punished all day long. If I'd given into my pain and spoken 
of what I was really feeling, it would have sounded like unfaithfulness to the next generation. Wow. This is what, this is a really powerful part of the psalm. Let me just throw this in here. It's not the message, but he says, had I spoken of what was going on inside, I would have betrayed your people. How many times we have something going on, offense and bitterness and hurt, and we give it voice and we don't realize we're literally defiling not only ourselves but people around us with bitterness in our well. And he, the psalmist is saying, had I let the bitterness spew out, I would have contaminated other wells. Only got a few amens right there. Come on, somebody. I love this part, verse 16. Y'all with me? When I tried to understand it all, I just couldn't. It was too puzzling, too much of a riddle to me. You ever had one of those days? But then one day I was brought into the sanctuaries of God. And in the light of glory, my distorted perspective vanished. In other words, when my heart is oriented in the right direction, I see clearly. Your heart determines how and what you see. Your heart will even determine what you hear and what you think you hear. Where is the orientation of our hearts as a people of God? As a pastor, as a leader, I've always got to make sure my heart is oriented in the right direction. And it's my responsibility. How many know that knowing God's grace, knowing that his relationship is perfect with us, doesn't mean that we can't turn away. And grace never negates responsibility. Grace empowers responsibility. Tweet that. Mm. Grace empowers me to do what God created me to do. Grace is the wind underneath my wings so I can fly in freedom the way God created me to. Grace empowers me in my true identity in Christ Jesus so that I can do what he called me and created me to do. But that doesn't mean my heart can't turn away. We still have a responsibility to orient our hearts at God. I love this. He said, until I went to the sanctuary. Verse 1, you remember he said, God is good, but I nearly miss seeing it for myself. There's something about seeing in the heart. I was even thinking about this recently with everything that's going on in the world. There's ethnic tension. And, and how many know that uh, there's one race? It's called the human race. There are different ethnos. But I just want to say that I despise walls of ethnicity. And I love when they fall down. I love when they fall down. Because in Christ we are one people. And there's a lot of tension going on. If we look around, but the Bible says this, and let, Jesus said, unless someone is born again, they can't even see the kingdom of God. A lot of times we say, unless someone's born again, they can't enter. That's not what the Bible says. John 3, 3, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom. I see a lot of things that are crazy, but I also, because I've learned to orient my heart at heaven, I see the kingdom of God manifesting. I see in the same place where George Floyd was murdered that there is revival going on. Come on, somebody. There's prayer going on. There's worship going on. People are praying for one another in the streets. Listen, they told us not to have church for a few months, but there's church going on right where the enemy thought he had won something, 
People are rising up. The church is shining. And people are releasing the love of God in the earth. And I see black, white, Hispanic praying with one another. And the church is releasing and manifesting the kingdom of God. Can you see the kingdom? Open your heart to the right direction and you'll be able to see the kingdom of God even in the midst of chaos. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Sometimes we don't know what to do and we're not doing anything because we're not looking. If we see what the Father's doing, we can jump in it and do the will of God in the earth. He goes on and then he says, basically, I'll paraphrase, you can read it later from, you know, like verse 17 and on. The consequences, the intrinsic consequences of the wicked, they're they're going to end up, you know, in destruction. And he goes on, and then verse 22, I love this. Verse 21, when I saw all of this, what turmoil filled my heart, piercing my opinions with your truth. Verse 22, I was so stupid, I was senseless and ignorant, acting like a brute beast before you, Lord. That's a great new sinner's prayer. Amen. I was so stupid. I was senseless. Sometimes those are good prayers, though. Like, Lord, I messed. I totally missed it. Sometimes we're so, you know, the grace message, and we think that, like, you know, like, I don't need to repent. Yes, you do. Yes, we do. I'm not offended. (laughs) When people say it like that, I know they're offended. (laughs) Oh, you're not. That's like, I don't get angry. Like, Sometimes we've got to be honest enough to say, I missed it. I've got to be honest enough as a husband and as a father. Hey, I snapped at my son the other day. I texted him, son, I'm sorry I got upset at that. Didn't I? Remember? And then you said, screw you, dad. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) He didn't. I'm totally joking. As a husband, especially us men, because we have a tendency to be pretty prideful, we have to humble ourselves. And be willing to orient our love at our spouses and say, I value you. And you know what? I haven't been. I missed it. And I love the honesty of the psalm. He goes on, verse 23, yet in spite of all this, you comfort me with your counsel. You draw me closer to you. You lead me with your secret wisdom. And following you brings me into your brightness and glory. Notice the psalm is getting a little bit better here. It goes from rant and reprioritization to reorientation. Number two, just shout it out. Reorientation. Reorientation. Quickly, let me tell you this. Repentance is reorientation. You know, um, like years ago, I go to my grandpa's house in eastern Colorado. I'm from Denver. Uh, My whole family's from Vegas, so they're used to the hot weather. They're going to have a little harder time getting used to the winters here. Um, I shouldn't be so haughty with that, though. I might slip on the ice or something. I don't, I don't want to do that. But uh, in eastern Colorado, my grandparents had a farm. And back in the day, how many remember, like, when satellite TV first came out? Do you remember? Who here has, like, cable or satellite? Who still has the rabbit ears? Listen, if you can't get good signal, call me. Because I was the best. I would get aluminum foil and make little designs on the rabbit ears. And I would get any channel you wanted. It was a gift from God. But my grandpa had uh, satellite TV when it first came out. Now, satellite dishes now are small, and they're just pointed in one direction, and they're connected. Well, my grandpa's satellite dish was this huge 10-foot diameter, you know, satellite dish. And it moved depending on what network it was going to connect to. 
So I remember asking my grandpa, you know, Grandpa, can I watch Disneyland? That's what I sounded like as a child, apparently. And he'd say, yes, you can watch. He was an old Jewish man, apparently. And he would switch the channel. And here's what would happen. Catch this. The satellite would go, mm, and it would take probably 10 seconds and then connect to that network. Sometimes in, in our relationship with God, we feel like repentance is this long thing. Like I messed up even on the way to church. I fought with my spouse. We don't ever do that because we drive separate. Wisdom. Come on, somebody. Yeah, <laughs> praise God. But sometimes we feel like we blow it and we've got to wait for the third song to really experience the presence of God. Can I just encourage you? That's not repentance. Repent, repentance is open your heart back up to God. You don't have to like wash in the Erie Canal seven times. Come on, somebody. You don't have to go past the outer courts. You're in the presence of God and he's right there with open arms. All you've got to do is turn your heart back to him. You're not that satellite dish that... No, you're connected, man. He's one with you, and you're one with him. And all you got to do is open your heart. Open your heart to the love of God. Be encouraged with that. You know, the Bible says, we all know the verse, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And we love that verse. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So we think wherever there's freedom, oh, the Holy Spirit's there. Do you know the Holy Spirit's everywhere? You know, when we even say, Holy Spirit, come, it's unbiblical. He's here. He fills all things. So, Lord, make me aware of your presence. Sometimes we pray prayers God can't answer. How dare you, Pastor Zach? Say something. God can answer all prayers. Okay, start praying, Lord, be with us when he's already with you. He says he'd never leave you nor forsake you. He can't answer that prayer because it's against the promise that he's with you like super glue. And he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Amen? Amen. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. You know what the better translation is? Is where the Spirit is Lord, there's liberty. So when we open our hearts to the love of God, His Lordship brings freedom in our lives. I want to read you three quick scriptures. Psalm 86.5 in the Passion. Lord, you're so good to me, so kind in every way. Sometimes we forget about the kindness of God. Jesus is so kind. He's so full of mercy. He's the gentle lamb that that says, come to me if you're weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. He's so kind. He's not an angry king. He's not an angry judge. He is loving and just waiting for you to receive that love so freedom can come in your life. The Bible says he's so kind in every way and ready to forgive For your grace fountain keeps overflowing, drenching all your lovers who pray to you. Beautiful. Lamentations 3. Who quotes that? This this verse, but it is a great verse. Lamentations 3, 22. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. You know what fails? When we don't reorient. We'll fail every time if we don't repent. But if we turn our hearts, his compassions will never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, this is the old covenant. I used to think I had to wait till the next morning to get God's mercy. How many know in the new covenant, his mercies are new every second, every breath? Because his grace and love is flowing from his heart to you every second and every breath. 
2 Corinthians 7.1, Paul is rebuking the church of Corinth. Shocker. In the message, he says, With promises like this to pull on us, dear friends, let us make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. Let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. Wow. 23 verses after he said, all things have become new. But then he says, cleanse yourself. In other words, repent. Reorient. And repentance is not this long, drawn-out thing. Just open your heart to the love of God. And repentance is not getting rid of guilt and crying. We don't just turn away from sin because of the consequences or we get caught. Right? Or because we want to live a guilt-free life. I could say something about that, but there's some children present, so I won't. Why young couples sometimes get married guilt-free, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not a good reason to get married. We want to get married because we're in love and because the same thing with repentance. We don't turn away because we're going to get caught or because of the consequences of sin. We turn because of the beauty of this relationship that we get with him. He is our portion and our reward. Number three, and in closing, say this with me. Say reset. Repentance is embracing communion with God. The end of the psalm, in Psalm 73, he says this. Oh, man, this is, this is, these verses, are they make this psalm for me. Verse 25, whom have I in heaven but you? You're all I want. No one on earth means as much to me as you. Lord, so many times I fail, I fall into disgrace, but when I trust you, I have a strong and glorious presence protecting and anointing me. Forever, you're all I need. The psalmist gets to where he's, his heart is now oriented back at heaven. Whom have I in heaven but you? There's none on earth I desire besides you. The New King James says, you're the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It's interesting that 73 degrees is about that right there. The psalmist gets, that's what helps me memorize the psalm. 73 degrees, my heart is set back on. I get distracted with some of the things in life, but I remember to orient my heart back at heaven. In other words, he's saying, I'm all in. Hey, listen, can I just encourage you as a community? Be all in. If you're looking for a church home, you found one. You don't need to look anymore. You will be welcomed, you will be loved. You'll be accepted and you'll be challenged to walk in your true identity as a son and a daughter of the living God. Can you say amen? Matter of fact, again, if there's any first time visitors, we welcome you. We embrace you. We bless you. Maybe you're watching online. We embrace you. We bless you. I'm all in. This fellowship with you, Lord, is more dear to me than anything else. And I value that more than anything. He goes on, uh, verses 27 and 28. You can read it later. I'm going to close with three, three short verses that are reset verses. And then we're going to pray and I'm gonna, we're going to dismiss in just a moment. I want to ask you to lift your hands with me, would you? And I want you, as you lift your hands, would you orient your heart? Maybe there's some things 
that need to be reprioritized in your heart. Come on, you need to take, strip off some layers of things going on inside of you, offense or bitterness or whatever it is. God wants to hit the reset button. It's time to reprioritize, to reorient, and to reset. And so right now, as we lift our hands to heaven, we thank you, Lord, that, God, when we have our hearts set on your presence in this sweet fellowship, Lord, everything aligns in our life, our relationships. Lord, thank you for marriages being restored right now. Thank you, Lord, for families and restoration. Thank you for walls coming down. And let, Lord, let us as the church rise up and display unity, harmony, and love and manifest the kingdom of God in this region and everywhere you go. Come on, can you shout amen with me? And in closing, in just a moment, I'm going to have Josiah come up and dismiss you appropriately. Psalm 1611. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. He is the lover of all lovers. Psalm 26.8. I love your sanctuary, Lord, the place where your glorious presence dwells. And lastly, Psalm 27, 4, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. One more time, lift your hands with me, would you? I bless your people, Lord, every person in this room. And as one body, we orient our hearts at you. We thank you for what you have prepared for this precious community. We thank you for the moving of heaven that is here and now, and we don't have to strive for it. We open our hearts to what you're pouring out. You are pouring out your spirit. And so, Lord, we just take the lid off, and we say we're all in, and we thank you for what you're going to do. We anticipate great things, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Would you shout out amen? Thanks so much for listening to this week's message. Our prayer is that you've heard a now word for your own life and experienced the life-changing presence of God.